guys come out of church on the way, just like we did. And, uh, you know, just to maybe tell a story, and some of you may be sitting here thinking, you know, how is God going to use me? And um, I, I know that if you would uh, go in the background of Charlie and Darla, you could probably see trials and pruning. Is that right? Things that um, you didn't think you were ready. Times when you didn't have any money. You know, it's it just, this is the way it is, and you're always trusting God for the future. Did you know that? And, and, and you, you may be sitting here, uh, um, Daniel Brown was a college pastor there at Church on the Way as well, which is a church in Los Angeles. Um, I'm not sure how large they are now, but they're a very large church. Um, but um, we're, not, we're not used to churches that size in, in Utah. Um, but uh, they planted a church. Um, Daniel planted one in um, Aptos and then um, California by um, um, Santa Cruz. And then he, how many know Santa Cruz up there in California? And then, um, and then he planted about 30, 40, 50 churches, something like that. And, um, and I was the first convert of his first church plant. Um, <laughs> and, and I came to Christ in a group of, you know, there was like 12 people. You know, it was just a little church plant. And um, it just so happened that the Houston Astros center fielder was in that small group. And, and, I, and I was, you know, coming out of professional sports as well. Um, and so it, God had worked it out perfectly. And, and, and I remember looking at him, and I remember asking him, and I'm going, what am I going to do? I don't know how to walk with God. I don't know what to do. And he goes, it's only going to get better, Eric. He goes, it's only going to get better. You just got to keep on walking with God. And then... You know, being part of that church plant, you know, we planted a church in Hawaii um, that's now almost 4,000 people. And then, and then we planted uh, one, planted in Las Gadas, and we planted a lot of different areas. And then finally we came to Utah and started planting out here. And it is so awesome. How many know that God's moving? And, and you, might, you might be thinking to yourself, because um, I remember being at that church, I'm going... You know, I'm the biggest loser in this church. I still feel like that sometimes. <laughs> but then I see you guys, and I'm encouraged. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm totally teasing. Um, but how many feel that, that God's got a call on your life? You know, come on, raise your hands high. Say, man, God, and just say it. Say, God has a call on my life. He, he really does. And, and it may, you know, it, it may take, you know, walking through some things to, to really find you know, his heartbeat. Um, I, think, I think the very first few years, probably the first five or ten years, the Lord, I was living by faith constantly. You know, not that I'm not living by faith now, but the lessons I learned early were the ones that I could build on later. Where I'd think, oh, I don't know how God's going to come through. And then I'd go, that's right. He's, he's taken me through that before. Uh, he, he can take care of things. Amen. Um, I'm going to be sharing today in uh, John 15 about the vine and the branches. Um, we've been talking about this adventure at a crossroads. I believe we've been at a church that is at a crossroads. Um, we need to become, and God is challenging every church, but I, I, I'm speaking for us as a, as a movement, that, um, that we're really answering the, the Lord's call, that we're growing in the way that we should be growing. We're so thankful that we're saved by grace through faith, and this is not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. But Paul says, live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Live a life worthy of it. 
you know? Walk by faith, you know, walk in power. And I, I really want to challenge us that when the Lord's working on us in these difficult times, and maybe you've gone through trials or maybe it's been ongoing. I, I know we've had a, a lot of different trials in different ways, and, you know, we're, our church is not exempt from that. Just understand the Lord is on our side. He, he wants goodness for us. He wants to bless us. He wants fruitfulness from us. And, uh, and hopefully this will challenge us. I'm going to share a few stories and then um, really get to the heart of it as well. Father, I pray, Lord, that you'd open up our hearts right now. Lord, your word is truth. Lord, your word has life in it. And Lord, I, I think of how many times I've uh, read through your word. And I've read through the scripture many times through the years. Uh, but there's always new life in it. And there's nourishment for it. And for us, Lord, in that text, Lord, to give us life for this season and this day, Lord. And I pray for our hearts that we'd be open to it. And that we'd hear your voice. That, that calm voice, Lord, that says, don't turn to the right or to the left, but just follow me. And Lord, the, the road to life, it's narrow. It's a, it's a voice embedded with your heart in us. It says, follow me. I'll guide you into all truth. And Lord, I'm so thankful that you're for us and nothing. What could be against us, Lord? What could prosper against us? Nothing. But Lord, I pray that you'd encourage us, you'd inspire us, you'd exhort us, you'd coach us, Lord, through your word. And um, Lord, as men and as fathers, Lord, we would um, make decisions based on your scripture, Lord, that says, I want to lead my family in the right way. Lord, I pray for women leaders, Lord, influencers. Lord, that they would get context, Lord, toward their purpose and their influence in the family and how you've called them. I pray for young people, Lord, that they would see that the call of God is, is, is not beneath them, Lord, but it's your voice in them that's calling out, come follow me. And that's the voice we want to answer. And Lord, maybe there's those that are stuck in bondages and, and, um, and maybe... Uh, sins, Lord, that have hurt their heart or bitterness or whatever it is, Lord, that's working in them. I pray for freedom for them, Lord, that they'd find release. I pray that they'd trust you. I pray for your grace upon us in this way. In Jesus' name, if you agree, can you say amen? Amen. amen. Well, the scripture I'm going to read is not up there because I just want you to listen to it. If you could put the slides that I'm working on up there so I can see where you guys are, it'd be great. Uh, Jesus uh, here in John 15, 1, he's, he's going to be speaking uh, to his disciples. And it, it's kind of an intimate talk. And to give you just a little bit of context, remember when Jesus is coming to his disciples, he's not died and rose again, removing the, con the consequences of sin, um, a lot, which would then later the Holy Spirit would come descend upon the church. And we know that he would become a deposit you know, embedded in our souls because of the removal of sin, the atonement, that we would be one with him and he would live in us and never leave us and forsake us. And by the way, isn't that pretty good news? Yeah. You know, that he's in us, that the Holy Spirit lives and, and he has not only uh, the welling up of eternal life in us, but he has streams of living water that wants to flow out of our lives in all different kinds of ways. Um, the beauty of God. And the disciples don't really understand this at this point. 
They don't understand that whole message. They're going to be asking a lot of questions in John 16 and 17 about, you know, what are you doing, Jesus, and why? And he's taking this trip to the cross to, to pay for us to make that sacrifice. And he's going to say some things that are pretty... Um, straightforward to them. They're not going to digest it all, but we kind of have a little bit of hindsight because of what I just explained to you. We know that what happened at this point, but at this point, when they're hearing it, they don't understand it. They don't know what's going to go on. So he's going to say things like, remain in me or abide in me. And he's, they're like, what? How do we are going to abide in you? But he's going to make these statements that we now as believers understand, that, that we cannot just become righteous through our religious activity And we live in a state that's full of religious activity. And we know that that's not something that will save us. We're saved by the grace and the mercy and the power of God. And that is our hope. That is our salvation. And so here is Jesus. And you can look at this almost as a whisper uh, to his disciples and, and a plea, knowing that they're going to be writing these things down, according to 1 Corinthians, that they would write these inspired words down. That, that he's really giving them some insight that the, the key to moving forward is him and our life melded with his. And, and when I, and I read the scripture, and some of you know where I'm going with the scripture, it always reminds me of how important just the simple things like spending time with God is. You know, just the few moments that you can just say, Lord, right now I'm just going to spend time with you. I'm going to settle my heart. I'm going I'm to abide myself in you. But it also reminds me not just of that responsibility of mine, but more so the power of God that has made that possible through the shedding of his blood. That he lives in me, that it's his power that's sustaining me. And apart from him, according to him, I can't do anything. Think, think about what an incredible statement that is to the world. You know, we, we just watched the NBA finals and it's all about hard work and payoff, and then you watch the Super Bowl, and you know there's so many things that are award ceremonies, the best movies, and all that you earn and work for, and then here you have Jesus Christ on the scene a couple thousand years ago saying, and by the way, apart from me, you can't do anything. What a contrast. What a dependency that creates. And I know, and I had someone, uh, we had dinner last night with some, some friends, and they, they, they were asking us about, how do you hear the voice of the Lord? And, and uh, you know, some magical answer. And, and I was really thinking about it. They go, how do you know that you've heard, how did you learn to hear the voice of the Lord? And I said, boy, one of the biggest things I, I learned is by shutting off what I want first. That I, it's really hard to hear God when you want something real bad. You know, it's almost like you have to, the Lord teaches you through the years. You know, I've been walking with the Lord, not quite, you know, 27, something like that years. And I don't know how many times where when I was a young Christian, I'd want something. And then I'd start talking to God about it. And then the Lord would take like six months to kill that in me. You know, how many know what I'm talking about? You know, and I mean, like six months. And I've had something, I've had things like years that he'd, he'd be killing stuff out of me. And so every time I talk, I go, how come God's not hearing me? I don't know I'm hearing him because he's not saying anything except for stop talking about that. You know what I mean? It has nothing to do with what I'm doing in your life. And it was so difficult. And, and as you grow in the Lord, you begin to, you know, when you come to God, you first clean your heart up. You cl- ask God to create in you a new heart. And you say, Lord, I want to have a fresh heart. I want to just hear you. What do you want? What, what, do, you, what do you require of me? How, do I, how am I growing? What am I doing? 
And it's so amazing how God's voice becomes so fresh at that point. Here is Jesus. Just feel free to just relax and listen to it. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He takes away every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit. Just say with me, bear much fruit. Bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. You know, uh, I'm just going to share something real quick. You know, <laughs> this whole concept of pruning and cutting off branches and, you know, reading this and remembering when God really started working in me as a, as a young believer. And my very first time, I, my, my dad, I can't remember him working in the yard at all. Now, I, I remember him working on computers and having them all on the floor and the parts all over the place. But in the yard, he'd be like, ah, just let it grow, you know. We'll just pretend it's the jungle out there. And when I, when I was working in a recording studio, um, you know, I was a writer and a composer for probably 15 years um, professionally. And we were doing a rework in our studio, and I didn't have any work for probably... You know, it was going to be on about three months as we were rewiring everything. I mean, we were soldering the whole thing from the ground up. And, you know, so it was going to take a while. And I was doing some studio gigs at some other places. But pretty much I was losing money because I wasn't able to, to work. And, and But we had to do this rewire. And it was just going to take a while. And I was working like 16 hours a day at the time rewiring. And finally, I just had to go get some work. And, and I remember just turning to the Lord um, and saying, Lord, what do I do? And, and this was really the foundation of what God was doing in my life now, you know, of really building a trust. And, and every day I'd wake up and I didn't know what I was going to do. You know, whatever work would come is what I'd have. And, and I got this yard work. And, and, and uh, people, just people at the church or just friends I knew and go, well, I'll, Eric, I'll pay, you, I'll pay you 30 bucks if you just go in the backyard and work for a while. And I go, okay, I'll work. You know, we were pregnant with Caleb our first, and I go, okay, I'll, I'll work whatever it takes. So I'd be working in the backyard, and I remember I had to prune this tree. <laughs> you should have seen this tree when it was, when it was done. <laughs> it was the funniest thing ever. <laughs> but I butchered this tree. It was, it was, oh man, it was a sad day for that tree, and I did not know what I was doing, so I just kind of looked at it, and I kind of just go, I'll just start snipping some stuff at the bottom. So I just started snipping stuff at the bottom. I had no, you know, the, the Lord is the vine, and the Father's the gardener, and boy, this Father here, you know, 
man, I, I cut and I'd butcher and I, and I go, well, maybe I'll take some bottom things. Well, this tree was like this and it was like this, like, you know, like that. And, you know, I really didn't check all the angles at the side and I was trying to picture people I'd seen cutting stuff. And I remember the guy who hired me looked back there and he goes, how much was I going to pay you? <laughs> it's like you've got firewood for like 25 years. <laughs> because every time I started shaping it, I figured that's not the right shape. It's kind of like my barber when he cut my hair and he put a mirror up. You know, I go to this 99 barber shop, like 10 bucks, and he, put, he puts it up to my head and he goes, how do you like it? And I go, well, can you add a couple inches out here? It's like... It's kind of late now. <laughs> you already cut it. <laughs> this is what it is. I was asking, can you change my face? Is there something you can do with my face? Is there some surgery that you could perform? <laughs> and, you know, and, and, but, but, you know, one of the things that the Lord showed me at that time is that I needed to learn how to live by faith. And it was right after that I go, well, I can't do yard work, so I got a job doing sheetrock. I had never done sheetrock. I had never did construction. <laughs> And the guy who asked me, he goes like, well, I got this job construction. I go, have you done it before? And he goes, I helped my uncle one time. <laughs> and I go, I go, this is like someone's house. And I go, and so the, the lady came. She goes, now you guys know what you're doing. And, and he's like, yeah, like that. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I know what we're doing. Now, I know how to do sheetrock now. I've done it like you know, probably seven to ten times now helping people, and I've learned. But I'm telling you, I've never seen sheetrock that bad. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, there was no angles. There was nothing that was straight on the whole thing. And we must have had ten layers of mud, and it was like when you looked in, it was like death happened in this room. <laughs> I remember him negotiating for the pay. And I had, you know, my, we, I have a baby coming. I worked all day long with the sheetrock, and I had no idea what we were doing at all. I, didn't, I was basically figuring it out. Oh, man, and it was terrible. And we finally got our studio going, thank God. And, and there was a bunch of customers, you know, regular customers that were recording, had already started projects with other studios, and I understood. Um, and so finally, I got a job from this guy, and he had a lot of money, too. And so I said, Joe, don't worry about it. We got this thing covered. I don't know how much the baby's going to be, probably four or 5000 We didn't have insurance. And um, that was that at the time. It's probably more. But so I meet with the guy who's doing, my, who's doing the recording. And I said, so I'm a young Christian. He goes, tell me about your album. And, and his name was Damien. And I go, well, my album's called Blasphemy, My Destiny. You're kidding, right? And he goes, <laughs> he goes, no, it's how the devil is just my icon and all that stuff. And he goes, and I'm ready to give you a deposit, like 4000 bucks. And I'm going, <laughs> I need that $4,000. <laughs> but I, I knew I couldn't record it. The, the minute he started, uh, the minute he told me about it, and, you know, a total aside, you know, we ended up witnessing to them. And um, I've shared the story once, but probably years ago. And uh, his girlfriend 
came to Christ in such a powerful way. Uh, just, you know, a couple Satanists, and here they are coming to Christ. Unbelievable. And uh, the presence of God was just there, and I prayed, and then she, uh, Jody prayed, and then she prayed to receive the Lord, and it came all the way back to Damien. And I said, all right, I go, Damien, you ready to receive Jesus? And he finally, he stopped, and it was just quiet. Nothing happened. And I go, man, are you ready? Come on. I go, he, I go you know God's talking to you. And he goes, I know. And he goes, but I can't do it. I go, why not? And he goes, Satan just offers me too much power. I, I want the power. And, and I remember as a young Christian going from a complete atheist to a Christian paradigm where angels and demons and the Holy Spirit is real. And here I have this contrast where this person sees the offer of Christ. You know, it's almost as if they're trying to connect to it. But then they just say, I don't want this life. You know, the Lord was laying a foundation for me, not only how to see spiritual things, but also to realize that he was going to take care of me. I I remember showing, uh, being, it was right after that, I was finally, I got this job at this carpet place right after that, you know, ripping out carpets. I was the carpet ripper outer. Okay, you know, you don't have to have a lot of skill, but you just got a lot of stamina, and I did. And that's what I did. And I figured, Lord, how are you going to get me out of this place into the next job? And I figured the only thing I can do is witness to everybody because then the Lord will feel like the job is done. And sure enough, when I finished witnessing to the last carpet person, God got me a new job. So I figured this is my way into new jobs (laughs) with the Lord. But, you know, when we first came out here to plant... Um, the first church that we planted, um, the Lord reminded me of those days. Adventure at a crossroads, Eric at a crossroads. Uh, I got here, and the Lord really told me to focus on on things, and um, I was thinking, Lord, how how are you going to do it? What are you going to do? I don't know anybody. What am I, how are we going to start? And I remember the Lord just saying, remember, remember when I started working with you? I started pruning away your, you know, wanting to feel secure in everything all the time, being in control, having it all. I told you to trust me. And it was difficult. But each time the Lord got me a new trust, how many say amen? Amen. I'm going to start right there at the intro. Put that blue slide on there. I am the true vine. God, Jesus here is claiming to be. He is that source. If there's something else that you think is your source, I guarantee you it's not. Your boss is not your source. The bank statement is not your source. The future market's not your source. The American economy is not your source. The world market's not your source. God is your source. And he can take care of you wherever you are, whether you're in Utah, you're the Dominican Republic, you're in Africa, you're in a hut, you're in a tent, you're in Alaska, in in an igloo somewhere. The Lord will take care of his people. He takes Elijah takes care of him with the ravens miraculously i am the true fine vine says jesus and my father's the gardener the gardener's the one who's not going to be like me where he butchers the tree because he has no vision for what the tree would look like and no gardening skills but the lord is the gardener you know he's the one that knows how to give shape to what we do it's the right shape it, it reminds me of when you go to you know we had our convention at disney world um, Florida area, and uh, we went to Disneyland one night, 
um, one evening because it was half off at the evening or something like that. And uh, they had all those bushes that are that look like Mickey and you know Goofy and all the all the Disney creatures. And you could tell that they've these things have been pruned for a while to get that shape going. But but they they have a shape. And, and an image and a purpose for what they want to do. And does the Lord not have that same capability? Doesn't he, isn't he the one that wants to shape us and conform us, according to Romans 8, into the image of a son? You know, and, and, he, and those, he, you know, those he purposed, he called, you know, and he, and he justified, and then he glorified. He brought them to a place of glory. And that's the Lord's heart for us. And this fruitfulness in this scripture is something that starts in Genesis where God goes to Adam and Eve, the very first man and woman, that says, I want you to be fruitful. I want you to increase. And that message then goes to Noah, be fruitful and increase. And it comes all the way, it comes through Joshua and Isaiah and all the Old Testament prophets. And it finally comes to the New Testament where it's really the fulfillment of all those promises where the Lord's saying, I come that you bear much fruit. I want you to be fruitful. I want you to increase. I want you to multiply. You know, you know, we see little things like one church becomes two churches, which becomes three churches. It's like the American culture so often, I mean, I think it's a human culture, really, more than just America. It's like we don't really know what fruitfulness is. We see fruitfulness as, boy, I added another TV from my living room to your bedroom. Or, you know what I mean? Or you added another vehicle or you added... Not, that's not the fruitfulness God's talking about. He's talking about the fruitfulness of His Spirit in our lives. Not just for evangelism and not just for certain kinds of ministry, but being connected to the source, you know, the vine, and then being groomed and pruned by this gardener. Now, number one, and this is so obvious, such an obvious scripture. Turn it to number one, if you would. Is the gardener removes the dead branches. And I've had people come up to me, does that mean I'm not saved or not? Can, Can I just tell you to take that off the table for a moment? How many know that that we are connected to the vine as believers? Okay, this is not meant to be just a scary scripture. This is an obvious text. What do you do when you have a dead branch on your tree? You cut it off. It doesn't belong there. It's withering. It's It's not producing. There's actually no connection there. You know, I've had trees where I've seen trees and and branches coming from old trees that I've cut, just kind of hanging and lingering there. And it says he takes away, or if you have the NIV, it says he he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And by the way, that that word take away there is not the same word as the pruning word that we're going to see here in a second. Um, I I kind of associate it with pruning, but in in the New Testament, it's not the word pruning. It's just cutting. I cut that off. It's not producing any fruit. It's, it's a branch. Imagine us as branches, so to speak, whether it's the congregation or the people, connected to the vine, which is Christ. And then imagine that a dead branch that either falls off or is cut off, it's withered away. It doesn't have any connection to the vine or the other branches. It's on its own in a sense. It's a dead branch. It's apart from the vine, apart from the the other branch. It withers. It's not a God branch. It reminds me kind of of Jesus in the the fig tree where Jesus is is moving from Jerusalem to Bethany and they're they're going to the Passover. 
and the, 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 the fig tree is sort of in a, in a public walkway. It's all along the walkway on the road as a nourishment. And that's what it's used for, a nourishment for the others. And as he walks by, he sees it. And the fig tree not only grows the actual fruit of it, but the leaves as well, and they grow at the very same time. And when he saw it, it's kind of like, oh, look at the leaves. There must be fruit there. And he got there, and he goes, no, this one's all leaves. There's, there's no fruit on this one at all. It reminds me of, of the sermon I just gave a couple weeks ago about the wheat and the tares, where they, they look like almost identical. They look identical until they, the fruit time, and then the, the weed goes straight up and because it, it has no substance. But the tear, I mean, the, the, the wheat, it, it bears fruit and it bends down, almost like in humility, bending before the Lord. One produces fruit and multiplies itself, and one is totally separate. And, and the Bible, if you guys remember who were here, you, you remember that, that it said, let them grow together. I, I'm not going to get rid of one. I'm going to let them both grow. And then at the harvest time, one's going to be separated out here and taken away or burned. And he says, and this one is going to be set up for the harvest. Well, here he's drawn the same picture. In fact, John 15, 6, he says, if anyone does not abide in me, and, and I really believe that this is the scripture of partaking in salvation, because he's going to be talking about this in John 16, about being in you, I'll be in you, and you'll be in me. He says, if you're not going to have that salvific relationship of fruitfulness, he's going to be, he's going to be a thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches, I put in parentheses, they're dead, are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Can everyone say, ouch? Ouch. Listen, this is not our calling. This is the Lord giving clear warning. This is not who you're supposed to be. The branch you're called to be is the one that bears fruit. That's why he says to his disciples, I came that you'd bear fruit. That's my purpose for you. That's the destiny for you. That's the salvation message. That's the message of destiny. So you get two kinds of branches, one that produces fruit, one that's not producing fruit. Jesus always sees these things clear as, as black and white, good and evil. This one is, this is one that's producing fruit. This one is not connected. And it's, I'm going to cut it all the way off. Hear and understand, Matthew 15, 10. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. This is a, a common scripture. It's not, not just what your heart is listening to or not just what your eyes are seeing. Those are important, but it's what's coming out of the heart. There's several scriptures that talk about this one. And the disciples said, you know, because he's speaking this to the Pharisees and the Pharisees are insulted. They say, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when you said this? These religious people were offended because you told them that, that what they're saying, that, that their heart is actually not right. And listen when he says, he says, every plant that my heavenly father has not been planted will be rooted up. In other words, the Lord's saying the work of the flesh is not going to be enough. It's not, it's not the thing that you build up, but apart from me, you can do nothing. How many say amen? amen? It has to come from the power of God. It has to be what the Lord is planting. Remember, we talked about the wheat and the tares is, is the, the farmer planted the good seeds, but yet the enemy came and he also planted things. And, and no one noticed it until it started, both started growing. And he said, do we tear it out? And he said, no, let them both grow together. Otherwise, if you tear one out, it's going to hurt the other. 
The gardener cuts away dead, diseased branches that are, not, are starting to infect everything else. They spread, they kill other things. Number two, by the way, aren't you totally encouraged right now? Listen, let, let me just say, I put, it, I put it at the top of this list, but it's, it's a message I heard during our convention, and, and the, just the phrase stuck with me. Sometimes things in our life need to die. Do I hear an amen? amen? There are just some things where the Lord, maybe it's a season, maybe it's a time, maybe it's a way of thinking that you've had, and the Lord is saying, it's enough. I want to kill that thing. I want to cut that off. And how many need some things cut off right now out of your own plant? Uh, let, let me encourage you. Let it not just be a hand raised. Invite the Lord right now. Invite him in and say, Lord, cut this out of my life. I can't. There, you know, when, when those branches start to get, they're not, they're so wild and random and you see them intertwined, they get so stuffed that, that things aren't free to grow. There's just no freedom. Or, or, or it's not following the purposes of God so that the branch starts to, to branch off to look like what the Lord is harvesting. You know, he's cutting it just right. He's cutting off the things that are, are choking off your life and he's wanting the good things to be more fruitful. You know, the word uh, katharan is translated to English catharsis where we get purging or purification, cleansing or a, a release. This is what pruning is. You know, he takes away every branch in me that bears no fruit. While, can everyone just say with me, every branch, every branch, listen, every branch that does bear fruit, that's a good thing, right? Every branch that does bear fruit. So in other words, hey, there's a branch that's producing fruit. What does he do with that one? He prunes that one. I was like thinking when I was a a believer and even up to now, I just think to myself, Lord, it looks like it's getting some fruit. Why do, you need to, why do you need to prune it some more? So it can be more fruitful. It's like you can almost look at the Lord and go, what, Lord, are you never satisfied? Are you just never happy? Is that what it is? Or do you think that the Lord of holies, who's the amazing God, who lives in incredible fruitfulness, says, I want you to experience this kind of fruitfulness. I want you to experience the kind of peace I have. I want you to experience the life I have. Pruning is not punishment, it's blessing. How many enjoy the fruit that God's blessed you with? Come on. When you see yourself and you see the fruit of the Lord, are you blessed? You know, do you think to yourself, wow, Lord, this is an amazing thing? This is so the plant can be more productive and more fruitful. Plants left to themselves, they grow in every direction. They're uncontrolled. They clutter, they overlap. No restrictions, no purposes, and the vine won't yield much fruit. All right. Number three. Just for the sake of time, I'm going to get right to the heart of this. Some things need to die in our lives where the Lord just wants to cut things off. Let me hear one more time and amen. amen. I encourage you, make yourself available to the Lord. When he pulls out the trimmers, don't back up. Just stand there. Trust him. Let him cut the things out of your life. Let him cut those things out. And then when you see things fruitful and you're going, Lord, it's looking good, don't back off when he comes close. I've heard this saying before, but they say when the gardener is trimming the bushes, it's when he's the closest to the bushes. 
because he's near. The Lord, when you get in there and you start trimming the bushes, and I don't want you to be reminded of my experience, but let me tell you, I had trees and stuff all over my head, right? That's the way it is. When the Lord's like that, he's all in your life in a good way. He's close by. He sees all the stuff. It's a, it's a messy job, isn't it? Sometimes until that tree's been tamed a little bit and he's real close to you and he's trimming things away. He wants you to bear fruit. So sometimes things need to change even though things are growing well. And that, that three, some things need to produce. God wants us to bear much fruit. Some things need to have produce more fruit. Abide in me and I in you. In other words, the Lord's saying, Think about the times when you've woken up in the morning and you you know the Lord's in you. He's abiding in you. And now he's saying, I want you to abide in me. Make the connection back to me. And I say, okay, Lord, I open my heart up to you. And then all of a sudden, fruit begins to grow in our lives. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. You know, I noticed something in here too. Um, just as I, I was reading through some, um, through the text over and over again, and I, and I realized something. I said, you know what? The branches don't produce fruit for the other branches, do they? You know, as a parent, don't you sometimes go, man, I just need to get some stuff out of these other branches, my kids. And sometimes you just, you have to turn to the Lord and you say, Lord, let your vine work in them. We can't fix everybody, can we? but we can connect them to the vine, can we not? You know, he says, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. It's a fruitful life. Now think about it. The command is not, go produce fruit, everybody. Go out there and get some fruit going. You know, you're probably gonna stand in the corner and go, as if the fruit is somehow going to come out of your armpits or something. I think I got enough sweat in there. Put some seeds in there. Something's going to grow. Probably the wrong stuff. (laughs) Right? But, But the command isn't that. He doesn't finish this and say, now go out there and produce fruit. He just says a real simple thing. Abide in me. Just abide in me. It's the safe place to go. Sometimes it's the last place I want to go because I'm walking in confusion. How many would agree with me? That happens. And I just start to avoid the Lord here and I start to avoid the Lord here and I'm going, I need to go back to the Lord, but I'm not really sure. And then finally I connect with the Lord and all's well in the world, right? And I think to myself, why did I waste those last couple hours? I could have just been with the Lord the whole time. You know, this is, and we can't yell and stare at the branch. And you know this, you don't go in your backyard and plant a, a tree and a plant and then yell at it. Produce the fruit, you stupid tree. No, you got to be nice to the tree. I love you, tree. You're beautiful. I want you to grow and produce lots of fruit. No, we don't understand exactly how it grows. The soil's there. You plant the seed. You water it. And then who makes it grow? God makes it grow. He makes it grow. And this is such a basic thing. We are in a church, and we are a fa- you are a family, and we are a family that's at a crossroads that say, Lord, I desire. We can make our requests known to the Lord. I desire the fruit that you have. Why don't you bow down? I'm going to close with that. And Ira's going to come up.
Lord, I thank you that the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, faithfulness, it's gentleness, it's self-control. Lord, it's singular, it's fruit. It's one thing, it's fruit. It's with all these different attributes, Lord. And I know that the world has the opposite things, factions and dissension and suspicion and fear and doubt and Lord, we, we get ambitious with uh, selfish motives. And, Lord, your spirit is the opposite. And, Lord, we want to become a people that's filled with your fruit, the fruitfulness. So I just, I just want to encourage you, first of all, just cry out to the Lord right now. Just, it doesn't have to be a loud moaning, but just a, a sincerity from the heart saying, Lord, I desire the fruitfulness that you have. Cut off, Lord, those things that are not from you. Cut off those things that come from, from my own fears and my past. Lord, things that have hindered me. Lord, you know what mine are. And Lord, bring in the fruitfulness that comes only from your spirit. And Lord, help me be not that tree that wants to run away or is fearful because here comes the gardener. Lord, but there's better analogies in the text that talk about the father and his son, the father and his kids that says, kid, come near, draw near to me. I want to minister to you. I want to encourage you. Lord, that we are an adopted people, Lord, to a father who disciplines those he loves. And would you just thank the Lord for the discipline that he brings to you? Just thank him, saying, Lord, thank you for your loving discipline that you're not there just to harm me, but you're there to bring me life. And because you want me to, and maybe you've had that prosperous season where you're going, I've seen fruit. What's going on? And the Lord's saying, I know, I see it. But you can be more fruitful. You have no idea what I've put in you. And I say, let the Lord be the multiplying God that he is. Be fruitful, multiply multiply what you have. And Lord, let it be done by your spirit. Let it be done by your power. Lord, let it be done by your grace.